Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what you need to do to make sure you have a great service. Stay tuned. This episode of Chef's PSA is sponsored by JNR Grills and Smokers. I used JNR Smokers and Grills for over five years as a chef, and I could tell you, there's a huge difference between cooking over live fire or smoking with wood than using gas. There's only one way to get that real wood flavor. And now they've just added the JNR Vault holding cabinet. It'll be the last holding cabinet you'll ever need. It's built with 14 gauge stainless steel interior. It's ultra durable. It has precise electronic temperature control. It's going to outlast all those other holding cabinets that you've used and always break down. They build everything in Texas and ship to all 50 states and over 50 countries. And right now, if you order before December 31st, 2023, you're going to receive 25% off plus free shipping. JNR will stand with you. They've always stood with me. Go to jrmanufacturing.com forward slash vault. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So before we get started, make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you hit the subscribe button, you hit the like button. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe and of course, leave five stars, nothing less than five stars. If you want to support the show, go to chefspsa.com. You get all the merch, all the books, including this hat right here, happy cook, this ultra comfortable hoodie that I'm wearing, Chef's PSA, show your Chef's PSA support. It's holiday season. I have five books there, ranging from entry-level cook to executive chef, strategist that wants to conquer the world, kitchen art of war, something for the sous chef, bad sous, good chef, something for everybody in your kitchen. Make sure you go to chefspsa.com forward slash books and get the books. I have a bunch of free eBooks as well, including a recipe book, a culinary dictionary, a food cost mastery guide, which is a companion to a two-part series that I did as well as a critical path to opening up a restaurant, which is also a companion to a two-part series I did on Chef's PSA podcast. And of course, I also have a journal because it's Christmas season. Why not? Comes in different colors, red, blue, black. How are you going to remember things if you don't write them down? The worst pen is better than the best memory, assuming that your pen is not broken and doesn't write at all. It's an expression. But we digress. I was at dinner the other day with a couple of chef friends of mine, and we got into a really good conversation about how the industry has changed in such a short period of time. Now, keep in mind, I've been mostly retired for the last two years working on Chef's PSA strictly, but I do a lot of consulting, leadership seminars, public speaking events, chef in residence, things like that. But I haven't really been a chef running a day-to-day -day operation in two years. And one of the things that surprised me in the conversation that we were having, we're talking about moving to the four-day workweek model. I hadn't really seen it where I lived and I didn't really understand how it would work. But my chef friends were saying how they've implemented it over the last couple of years, you know, within the last two years, let's say. And as they're opening new restaurants, that's the model. One of the things that you have to do to make sure that model is successful is you run a little bit higher FTEs, full-time employees. So maybe you pay a little bit more on the benefit line item, but the amount of hours is still the same to run the operation. So 
instead of working 50 hours a week at 10 hour shifts, you're working four days a week at 10 hour shifts or four days a week at eight hour shifts. And what they noticed, what, what we were talking about around the table is how much that's improved their retention for their staff. Now, I'm not doing a podcast on that. Today, I'm talking about what makes a great service, but nonetheless, I found that interesting and I don't know much about it, but it piqued my interest and it makes me want to understand it a little bit more. So I'm going to put up a poll if you're listening on Spotify. If you work in that type of kitchen, respond to the poll. I'd appreciate it. I'm trying to get some information. I'll also put up a poll later this week on my Instagram page because I, I am truly curious if this is something that you would be interested in or if this is something that is happening and I'm just late, I'm just late to the party, which could be the case. Who knows? But what I want to talk about today is what makes a great service. So as I've been in the kitchen lately doing a chef in residence, the other day we were working, we had a really smooth service. And I got to say that one of the highs that chefs get is like people call it the runner's high. When people are running, they, they, after a certain point, they get into this meditative flow state. If you're a high level athlete, they talk about that where you're just on autopilot and everything just flows. But every now and again in a kitchen, we get into that flow state as well. Some people, it's just prepping. You just zone out and you just become ultra efficient. Sometimes you're working in the kitchen and you get into that zone, that flow state, and things just hum. And it's not just you because it takes the entire team to be in sync. The synchronicity amongst the team, it just keeps flowing. And it's not just the culinary team. It's also the service team and the dishwasher team. And everyone's just working together. The food is going out smooth. It's perfect. Nothing really goes wrong. And if anything does pop up that can be a challenge, you handle it swiftly and efficiently without stress, without panic. And you just have a really good service. And I want to talk about what that's like. What are the steps that usually have to be in place in order to be at the point where you can have those really good services? I'm going to call it the chef's flow state. So let's start at zero. What's the most important thing that you need to have a good service? Well, you need people. You need cooks. You need servers. You need dishwashers. You need bussers. You need server assistants. You need general managers. You need chefs. You need sous chefs. You need the proper hierarchy on the culinary team, on the stewarding team, on the service team. The person taking the reservations, the person greeting the guest, the person saying goodbye to the guest. You need to have all those positions. So first and foremost, you need the right number of people to make sure that service goes well. The second thing you need is you need the right people, a certain level of competence in position. Let's assume we're talking about Friday night service. Let's just say that's the busiest day of the week. Maybe you work a brunch service. I'm sorry. That's your busiest shift, whatever the case may be, but it's prime time. And during prime time, you have your starting lineup, the A-team. No one from the starting lineup is off on Friday night. Your best players are on. And not only are your best players on, but your best players are playing the right position. You have your starting quarterback. Your saute cook is the best saute cook. Your grill cook is the best grill cook. The person on garde manger maybe has the most soigné plating because a lot of times they do desserts if you don't have a dessert position and you have a lot of crudos and raw fish dishes or salads that need to be plated a little bit more beautifully. So they have those aesthetic skills. The person that's cooking meat knows how to cook meat very well. They're the best person for the job. The person who's cooking fish is the best person at cooking fish. The person who's calling the pass, running expedite or whatever you call it. And that's just the culinary team. The best servers are on. The best host is on. Everyone knows what they're doing. The A team is on. That is step one to make sure you have a good service. Everyone is awake and ready, as I like to say. So the reason I say that, if you don't know the reference, when I was a chef, when people would come into the kitchen, 
I would say, how are you? Everyone would say awake and ready. And that was just a signal to know that you're here, you're present, you're focused, you're ready to go. There's nothing worse than having a full rail of tickets and a cook comes wandering in and you say, how are you? And they're like, well, you know, got a flat tire, had a bad day yesterday. And they want to talk about their personal issues or some nonsense when there's a rail full of tickets. Now, I'm not saying that it's not important because it is, but that's not the time and place. So a little situational awareness for a cook is needed. No, no one wants to hear about how you forgot to set your alarm as soon as you walk in and that you're a little tired when there's a full rail of tickets and they're going down. They want to know you're awake and ready. Let's go. So that's where that comes from. The next thing is you need product. So whoever's ordering the food needs to make sure that you have all the product in the cooler, the dry storage, everything is in-house. You don't want to 86 anything. You don't want to be scrambling and sending people to the store or informing the guests that you don't have it or it arriving late and you're prepping it just minutes before the doors open and so you're running a little bit behind. You don't want any of that. The prep has to be done. So even if the product is there, it has to be prepped. You don't want to be going into prime service and prepping as the orders are coming in. You want to be set and ready. Everyone had their coffee before they came to work. They didn't come to work and then drink a coffee or a tea or a Red Bull or whatever it is that you're having. Lights on, someone's home. Mise en place is ready. And not only is your mise en place ready, but it's correct. You've tasted everything, your sauces are right, and you have enough for the amount of covers that you're going to do that evening. 086 items. Then there's the pre-shift and the knowledge of what's going to happen for that evening service. So everyone knows the game plan that you're going into. You know, at this point in time, there's going to be compression. You're communicating that information to the service team saying, hey, during this time, we have a lot of covers. We have a lot of guests at the same time. Here's what we need to do to mitigate any long tickets. Push this item. Don't push that item. We're going to send bites from the chef. You've already identified who your PX or your VIP tables are. You know what you're going to send them. You know if the chef has to touch the table. Your anniversaries, your weddings, your birthdays, whatever special touches you do for those people, it's ready. You're not thinking about it, and you're not caught off guard in the middle of the rush. It's all been discussed at pre-shift. Now let's assume you have all that in place. The next thing you need is reps on the menu, reps on the service. So the service team is fully experienced on what the menu is. They know how to sell it. They know what the allergens are. They know what the substitutes are. They know what they can and cannot do. They're not going to come to you in the middle of service and say, can we do this? knowing you don't have it. They're not going to come up to you and say, can they get a side of steamed broccoli? Knowing you have no broccoli in house. They already know what your substitutes available are. The culinary team has reps on the dishes. So it's difficult to have the best service ever on the first week of rolling out a menu. You still don't have rhythm. The more rhythm and the more practice that you get on the menu, you know, you know what? It's better if we move our pan over here. It's better if I turn the burner just up this high for searing the fish or the meat, whatever the case may be. You know, you can't pick up that dish too fast because there's another component that's slow. You're in sync with the rest of your team. It's really difficult when you have one really fast person on the line and the other people have dishes that take a little bit longer and you think you're doing a good thing by putting up your dishes five, 10 minutes before everyone else. While your food is getting cold and they're not ready, you have to be in sync with your team. There's a, there's a dance, there's a coordination that's going on. Kitchen karate, as I like to call it. Gotta have your black belt. So having reps, on the menu, we'll ensure that you have a good service. Like I said, it's always going to be difficult to have a really great service when a menu item or a whole new menu has just started. You got to get comfortable with it. And then it's kind of on autopilot and we get into that flow state that we were talking about earlier. And then there's the things that the service team could do. The reservations are spaced out adequately. It's not just one big pop. You're not open for five hours, but you do all your covers in one hour, right? Wheels fall off the bus, the kitchen crashes. That's never good. Things are spaced out appropriately. You're not taking 
more big tables than you can handle at once. A few big tables sprinkled in throughout service is good because you don't want to do 100 covers of all one tops, tickets with just one item on it. You want to have a few larger tickets so you could pump out food. And I hate to use the word pump out because it sounds like you're just slanging hash. I mean, so you could put out the dishes. So a couple of larger tables mixed in with some smaller tables is a good flow. You don't want only small tables and you don't want only large tables. Ideally, you'd have zero modifiers on the tickets and the modifiers make sense and are easy to read. The servers know if there is a modification or an allergen, they're coming back and speaking to the chef and they're explaining what it is, not having you guess on something that doesn't make sense. The service team knows how to communicate. They know when to be quiet. They know when to talk. They know when to interrupt the chef, when not to interrupt the chef. I'll tell you what, when I'm expoing, if I'm working the pass, I hate being interrupted when I'm calling. I need to make sure I say whatever I need to say on the ticket. And then you can ask me the question. I don't like a lot of chatter in the kitchen. I like quiet kitchens personally. A quiet kitchen is a focused kitchen. That's just how I work. I know other people operate differently, but I do my best work when things are quiet and there's one person talking. I don't like kitchen operations where different people are coming up and talking to cooks instead of talking to the expo. One person should be the voice in charge, one voice, one team. That to me makes a good service. If a plate comes back, steak needs to be upcooked. They change their mind. There's a certain brevity in which things are communicated, right? No one likes that long narrative. Like, you know, the server comes up to you and they're holding a plate in their hand and they say, well, you know, there's this person out there and they're from this city and they're with their family and they heard great things about the restaurant and they talk to you for like five minutes and they're standing there with a plate and you're staring at them with a blank look on your face and they keep talking and keep talking and you're like, where are we going with this? What do you need? And after about five minutes, they say, so can I get dressing on the side? Or can I get the steak cooked more? And you're like, all you had to say was, I need to upcook the steak to well done, medium, whatever, whatever the case may be, or all I need is dressing on the side. You don't need a five minute conversation to get to the point. And I, and I don't know why that's lost on people. Kitchens are hectic and kitchens are busy. And sometimes when you have a rail full of tickets, you don't need the 10 minute explanation of why it needs to be done. You just need to get it done. The clock is ticking, the guest is suffering. And there's a rail full of tickets that need to be addressed. Practice brevity. The Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan has a lyric that I love. He says, keep it brief, son, half short and twice strong. Meaning, half short, use half the words, twice strong, the words that you use make them more impactful. Keep it brief, son, half short and twice strong. And when allergens are on the ticket, we know how to identify plates and there's a system in place for allergens. Maybe that's a, a, a different plate, Maybe you have a specific allergen plate in your kitchen. So, you know, I'm just making this up. All allergen plates are black. So, you know, or all allergen plates are a different color. So, you know, maybe you put a piece of tape. I know that's what I do. Whenever I have an allergen, I'll write the allergen and put it on a piece of green tape and stick it to the plate. So the service team knows that, hey, this is the gluten-free one, or this is the one with the dairy allergy or the no pork or whatever the case may be. Something. Not playing the guessing game, right? Or if you have multiple steak temperatures and all, and you can't tell which one is which five of them are well done. And one is rare. Well, the one that's rare has the tape on it. So, you know, right. Common sense. There's a procedure in place. People aren't just playing the guessing game and everyone knows the system. Now that's the system I use. You might use a different system. It does not matter, but in order to have a smooth service, everyone has to know the system and the system has to be used by everyone. There can't be people on your team that operate to a different system because when it's busy, the amount of time that you have to make decisions is very short and efficient. And the fewer decisions that you're making, the better, because you want to be on autopilot, putting out beautiful food, head down, beautiful food, smooth. 
when all the stars line up and you have all those things in place, that's when you're going to have a smooth service. Now, maybe you're in a restaurant or you're in a kitchen where only some of those things are in place. Well, then it's your responsibility to get all those other things in place. And I'm sure I forgot some. Leave a comment if I forgot something. Let me know. But if you want to have successful services, start making sure that you have all those things and you plan accordingly. Because the kitchen art of war, it's about making sure that you have all your pieces in place and you have the right strategy. Plan to win. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. Go to chefspsa.com. You get all the books, all the merch. Make sure you leave five stars, nothing less than five stars. Hit the subscribe button, share the podcast, tell everyone, and hit the porno music. We'll see you next week. 